Welcome to Recovery Uncovered, brought to you by Whiskey and Milk. I'm Adam Clark. I'm Sarah Sellers. As recovering addicts, we're on a mission to fight the stigma against addiction. And inspire those struggling by sharing the experience of real people in recovery. Because addiction doesn't discriminate. Behind every struggle, there's a person with a story. This This is is Recovery Recovery Uncovered. Uncovered. Attention, now arriving at your destination, the last house on the block. Welcome back to Recovery Uncovered. We're here with episode eight. Kind of crazy to think that we've been doing this for a couple months already. Uh, me and Sarah have a, a special guest in here today, a friend of both of ours. We got Alex Moore of Get More, um, and somebody who you know we both known for uh, for a little while now, and have heard good bits and pieces of of his story, but really wanted to bring him on to kind of hear the whole whole experience of what it was like for you before this journey into sobriety, kind of what happened and, and what it's been like for you since getting sober. Absolutely. Thank you all for having me, by so the way. So happy to have you, Alex. Yeah. I love yeah. both of you. Like, <laughs> And it's crazy because before I get into that, like I just remember when I got sober, I really thought like there was not going to be any fun people that got me, like people that were like me. Yeah. Um, you know, we all feel like that, but... Um, I met each of you at different points, but it was like later in my sobriety that I met y'all and y'all yes. been around longer than I have. So I was just like, what in the world? Where have these gems been hiding my well, whole life? Well, you walk into rooms like you've been along around way longer. Well, so I, God's been good to this alcoholic. You, yeah, I've met you screaming at a birthday party at a, at a restaurant for not, not a real birthday. It was a, a sobriety birthday. This was that I wonder. I remember. Well, I'm just glad they're sober. Hopefully they're still sober. Yeah, hopefully so. <laughs> um, okay, so, but I did want to say thank y'all. Um, but, so, I guess, like, just to take it all the way back, um, you know, like, childhood days, mm-hmm. um, I had a mother, my biological mother, who was, um, and still is, an alcoholic, who just fought to get sober over and over again, in and out, in and out, in and out. Um, so I lived with my dad and my stepmother, and he was a pastor, and I was a preacher's kid. And at five years old, my grandfather passed away, and the church became my father's, and then we were, like, really the preacher's oh, family. Wow. Um, you know, and from there up. I'm talking martial arts, I'm talking baseball, I'm talking about football, traveling, anything we did as a family, it was so image-focused, and it was so about don't let people in. You know, we are the Moors, and you just can't break that code. Like, we were like the Kardashians in our mind. That's how we operated. Right. Like, nobody will see the truth behind closed doors, Mm -hmm. um, which allowed a lot of sickness to breed and grow rapidly. Um, And, you know, I was always the goofy kid making jokes, like uh, I was overweight, you know, I was uncomfortable in my skin. We've all heard the same story over and over again, you know. Um, So I'm no different in that. But I will say that is where kind of my mindset started of being like, you know, I want more. I want to be more, and this is not enough. 
Yeah. Um, and so I just played the part. I played the part really well. Um, that's definitely where the people pleasing began. It's where the, um, you know, the fraudulentness began. And I love, to be honest, and I'll tell you to this day, I'm grateful for my parents, and that's my father, my stepmother, and my biological mother. They have all three done the best they could. And today I'm so much clearer on that statement that, like, they really did do the best they could. So anything in my story might paint them out to look a certain way, but I would ask everyone to respect that they were human beings who suffer from the same disease that I suffer from. And I do want a blanket statement that. Um, Because I don't get this honest about my childhood and my family because it's still... Like, I'm that five-year-old, seven-year-old little boy just not letting people in, you know? Mm-hmm. Of course. Um, but, yeah, yeah, fast forward, you go through that. And then I fa- I didn't drink growing up. I didn't do the drugs. I didn't do anything growing up. I was, like, living vicariously through my older sister who was doing that, which is also one of us. Um, and I would, like, act like I hit the weed, you know, in front of my cousins just to be the cool cousin. But I didn't really hit the weight. I was terrified of the weight. Um, yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I was terrified of the drink. But I would put it up to my lips and be like, you know what I mean? And I just, I really became that character, that stage character um, yeah. that we read about and learn yeah. about. Um, but then, you fast forward, I leave that all behind. My father's no longer a pastor. We're no longer in the church. Our family's falling apart everybody's gone all of their different ways. I live in Panama City Beach, Florida at this point um, on a compound with a boy's home and all the people that go to the church on the same property. Oh, wow. Yes. Um, I can remember us going to Publix on the day that they gave that, like they threw out bread, like Publix did, and we would go get that food that was expiring that day from the dumpster area, and that's what we would use like at the church and in our homes and stuff oh wow didn't really realize how that like really what was going on Uh Um, but I will tell you that's when I started seeking God for myself because growing up a preacher's kid you just go because you have to but I remember at that point I felt so out of control and I saw my family crumbling and my dad was no longer the pastor and it was no longer about us it was like I was around other people and I was just like I don't like this you know Mm -hmm. Um, but fast forward more, I, at 18 years old, my family was at the lowest point, honestly, since 2007 up to, I was 18 years old in 2010 or 11. Um, I just knew that I could not stay with my family anymore. I could not go to the church anymore. I had started experimenting with my sexuality, um, at that time. Still not drank, still not drugged, but I was smoking cigarettes, and that was, like, the worst thing I could do, you know? It just felt like I was so bad, and I was scared I was going to get in trouble. But I was really struggling with my identity and my sexuality at that point. Um, And I I did what I have learned to do before getting sober, which is just run. That's where the running started. And I ran away with a friend from Panama City Beach, Florida, and lied to my parents and told them I was going to take care of my grandmother, who was going through a surgery, and I never went back. Oh, wow. Mm. That's how I left my family. 
Oh. Yeah. That's how I moved to Mississippi. And you were 18? 18. Okay. okay. Yeah. And that's kind of how I got my life started. And yeah. I want to ask you, ask yeah. because you said you started really seeking God for yourself. Um, and then kind of flash forward through that and you're starting to experiment and learn more about yourself. Did you feel supported by a higher power at this time? Like what was your perception? That's a great question. Um, so this is my take on that. At that time, that was when I started experimenting with my sexuality, right? Mm -hmm. And that's where conviction and like the religious and like that God that I've grown up with my whole life, I was like, I need you to take this from me. And even to the point to where there was another girl on the compound um, that her dad was like praying for me to be her husband and my parents were praying for her to be my wife, like a courting courtship mm -hmm. situation. And I remember like there was times where I would fast for two days. I would read my Bible endlessly. I was just like pretty much begging God, just let me not feel these feelings towards men the way I do. Okay. Um, and that's what I meant by, like, that's where I really started searching, okay. you know, and trying to do business with a God. But it wasn't right. well, connecting. And, and I hear that, and I was thinking that you were starting to really connect with higher, with, okay. Uh -uh. Um, yeah. Just searching yeah. at that Just point. searching. I think that was where I started to not just be the preacher's kid, but I wanted to actually be a believer in something. Right, like, not right. Not because I'm Jason's son. Oh, Jason's son, but, right. you know, I'm Alex. And yeah. I, I started realizing, like, their faith was not going to touch my problems. Mm -hmm. Like, it wasn't going to help me with my problems. I yeah. had to find my own belief and my own faith. And I really didn't know how to do that. Yeah. Um, which is what led me to running from the church because I wasn't feeling that connection. I wasn't feeling peace. I was still thinking the thoughts that I was thought. And, you know, growing up hearing, you know, you're going to hell. You know, yeah. your dad don't know he's preaching to his son. Yeah. But I'm crying myself to sleep at night, yeah. begging God to take this from me. You know, why do I feel different? Why don't I want to talk about girls the way the boys at school did? Mm -hmm. Like, I just I just didn't belong, you know, yeah. anywhere. Um, but, yeah, you know, the beautiful part, this is where the story kind of gets beautiful before it gets really ugly. Um, we'll take what we can get of the beauty. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, you know, so leaving... You know, I told y'all my biological mother, in and out, in and out, in and out. Well, um, so when I left my family, my dad and my stepmom and my little sister in Florida, and I came here to Mississippi, I went to Kosciuszko first, which is my hometown. Shout out, Oprah Winfrey. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> and um, so I went home, and I was staying with my aunt and my nanny, who is like, God, like, I just love my nanny. Like, I am a nanny's boy. I'm not a daddy's boy, a mama's boy. I'm a nanny's boy. And I just, she just turned 80 years old. And Aww. she's just. What's her name? Evelyn. Evelyn? She is a godsend. Gem of the South. Oh, my God. And she's just the best. You want to talk about prayer lists for years in a book that she keeps adding to, praying for? Yeah. Just, I can't even go too deep into that. Just, I love you, nanny. Love. Um, but <laughs> I'll cry, <laughs> but, um, you know, I was staying with them and I had no direction for my future. I did not have a diploma. I did not have a GED. I did not have a driver's license cause we were sheltered my whole life. I literally had nothing when I came to Mississippi 
You had less than the average 18 Oh, less. Year old. Less. Because a driver's license at least. Because I'm thinking mm-hmm. in my head, like, yeah, at 18, <clears throat> you don't have anything. But you really had less. I, I did. Yeah. Um, which is just a part of the story, you know. Mm-hmm. But I'm so glad now because, like, the character that having less has taught me and built in me. Yeah. Just like, thank God. Even a driver's license, as simple as that is. Yeah. You know? It's a big deal. Ooh. But this is where it gets really beautiful. My mom just showed up. I had, Okay, so this is where I drank and got drunk for, like, the first time. Okay. Okay, and I forget this part Were of my story a lot. Were you into it? You know, I don't remember being into it, but I think I was into the guy that I was hanging out with while, okay. while being trying to be into it. Okay. And I'm going to not just, I'm going to keep everybody's anonymity, you know, secret and sacred, right? Totally fair, Um, yeah. But, so I was with a group of friends that I grew up with. I'm hanging with the boys. I'm trying to be one with the boys, you know. Um, And we we get drunk. We get sloshed. And my mother shows up. She found out that I'd moved home. Um, And she just shows up in Kosciuszko from Meridian, which is where she lived. And she was sober. That's a turn. It was a turn. Because I had never, um, I'd never seen my mom sober, like Mm. really sober. I saw glimpses, but this time it was just different. There was something different about her. And, um, you know, she had gotten out of treatment and gotten to, recovery our world i don't even know if i can say what it is that we do but you know i'm just gonna keep it all but you know she had a sponsor she was working the steps and her life was getting better she had met a man and they had a home together and she was happy and i mean just yeah that was a really good time now as much as i did not want to see my mother when she showed up like i said there was something just different i felt safe and it was the first time I felt like I could trust my mother because she said, you're coming with me. Mm. And, you know, I did. I went with my mom. And a, a part of me, that little boy that used to, you know, sit by the door with his bags waiting on the mother that never came, she finally came. And um, I was just really excited. Wow. So, you know, I go to Meridian, and my mom did. She said, no, son, I know I've not been present. I know I've not been a good example, but we're going to use this time and we're going to get you started in your life. And you're going to college. You're going to get a GED first. You're going to get a license. And you've just got to trust me. And that was the first time I had really seen God work through people for me mm-hmm. in just a way that I never saw coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's what, what I did. She got me in to GED classes, and I would go take one at a time because I was a slow learner. I was homeschooled throughout my life, being a preacher's kid. You know, the Dixie Chicks poster made me get pulled out of school one year because yeah. um, she had got milk, like the milk on her lips. Like, my parents were like, oh, no, you're coming home. <laughs> Swear to God. Um, but, you know, she, one by one, we just started attacking things. Uh-huh. And it was so cool. Like, my self-esteem started to, like, kind of blossom. Yeah. And, like, I started to feel like I did belong somewhere. And then Mm. me and her got those late-night talks of talking about what it was like for her when she had me at 15 years old. 
and just the struggle she's had and just it was such an understanding that it was like closure. I needed it. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I got into college and oh. I got my GD. I got a license. I got into college. And before you know it, I was in college full time. I was working at Office Max full time. And then my mother goes to prison for past DUIs. Oh, they had snuck up on her. You know, like the rollovers, like every, mm-hmm. I think it's three and something, right? It was like she could time it out. You know, she, either way, this one had stuck and she didn't see it coming. But she was sober. So she went into, you know, prison sober yeah. and did oh, wow. time. And, you know, so I, now I just have the security. I'm just finding my identity. I'm just feeling like I'm doing these things. And then my security kind of goes. And then I'm literally just an 18-year-old kid in a big world in a little fish, not knowing who the hell I was or what the fuck to do. Yeah. Excuse my language. Um, and that's where I found, you know, drinking to be what made all of it feel good. Yeah, it had to feel like your whole world was just ripped out from under you there when she went to prison. Like, mm-hmm. you finally had these things. It's like, okay, like, my life's looking up. I've got things I'm working on, things to look forward to. And then it's like, JK. Yeah. Say bye to mom again. Like, fuck. Yeah, that's that's exactly what it felt like. Just like, oh, she's gone again. But this time it wasn't because, you know, she wanted to or she was struggling. It was just like she had to go do what this addiction had yeah. caused you know, the results, the consequences. Which is just one of the most respectable things I've seen people in recovery do. Agreed. Is go to jail. Uh-huh. Show up for court. Girl. For stone cold sober. Yeah. Stone cold sober. And stay sober through it. Like. Yeah. Mm-mm. I had a mentor that was arrested for parking tickets. Really? Uh, yeah, I'm like not kidding. I mean, it's just, we still are, like, it doesn't... That's wild. It, in sobriety. It's 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 <laughs> wild to get away with so much. Mm-hmm. And then you're, you know. Mm-hmm. The parking tickets is what brings You're behind it bars for some parking tickets. And you're sober. And you're sober. That's just, if that's not the <laughs> lifeiest thing I've ever heard in Lifeiest life, life thing ever. Or. But you're, I mean, I, I really respect your mother for doing that. Like, she didn't have to. Because yeah. we, we know how to lie. We know how to manipulate. We also know how to throw in the towel and just drink. And run. And mm-hmm. run. And I thought she was going to run. So I was very, res- like, I guess I did respect it, but I didn't even know what the word respect meant yet. Right, right. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I didn't really know all these words that feel so real and dear to my heart now. Yes. Um, But I was like, oh, that's pretty cool, you know? Um, And I also looked at it as like a chance for me to go as wild as I wanted to go. I was about to say. I was excited. Like a part of me, because she was trying to be the mom that she never was. So she was trying to tell me like, you know, you're, she would get on to me for drinking and driving. She took my car one time. Because while, okay, so when she went to prison, I, I had a vehicle, like a little truck she helped me get for like 200 bucks. It was like a little Chevy S10 single cab. It had Marine Wife on the back glass. Yeah. Yes. I always thought you were a Marine uh-huh. Wife. I was a Marine. <laughs> Salute to everybody out there listening. No, thank you for your service. Um, don't want to make light of that. Um, but I was, in fact, not a Marine Wife. And it was just funny, but that truck broke down on me. So when she was in prison, like, I didn't have 
a ride. And I had these jobs and this school and this stuff. Mm. And I was partying and I was trying to do all the things. And I went to um, like a little car place there. One of my friends, shout out Darla. um, She took me and she sat there all day with me. And I got my first car on my own. And it was a Mazda. And it was amazing. And it felt cool. Um, Yeah, so like little by little before I got really bad, I started figuring things out for myself. I started to be kind of like independent but not so much independent it was just more so like hard-headedly like I'm not going to ask anybody for help Mm -hmm. I'm going to figure this out Mm. which also plays into our addiction yeah you know was there like a past there of like I don't know like feeling like everybody's let you down before so like I can't rely on anybody going forward because I definitely relate to that like and not necessarily my family but I just felt like I got to that point where like I like I can't trust anybody but me. Right. And nobody's really got, you know, my best interest in heart other than me. Right. And even if they think they do, they don't really know what I want. And so it's just like a cycle for me of like, I don't know, finding this independence, but it was like uh-huh. wrapped in codependence the whole time. too. Yeah. Because I was always latched on to, to some relationship or some person who was feeding me just enough to keep me, keep me going. Like. You put that, like, the best way I've ever heard it put, honestly. Like, while you're trying to find your independence but still being codependent as yeah. hell. Like, there's at least one person I was latching on to. 100%. Yeah. That makes sense. Were you like that, too? Yes. Okay. Yes, absolutely. Ooh, our codependency <laughs> runs deep. Hallelujah. So deep. <laughs> well, and I would, like, I would wring them dry. Like, I would take, 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 uh-huh. take, take, give me everything, give me everything, pay my rent, do this, yes. do that. Um, and then when finally you were like, Adam, I've had enough. I'm like, okay, bye. Correct. Yes. <laughs> always like, okay. Bye. Hey, Alex, I need some money. Like I would yeah. just to the, whoever the next person was, um, that I could find, or I would just like flounder around for a little bit in the in-between. Like, yeah. Cause I would bounce from like my mom and my stepdad. And then it was my dad. And then it was my grandparents. And then it started being relationships. And so then mm. with relationships, I'd like get out of a breakup and be like, shit like it's just me again oh. and then so like a week later i'd have a new girlfriend and that was my my just pattern for years on end is like i, I had to find somebody else to latch on to because i didn't know how to live as much as i wanted to be like i'm 25 years old i'm independent i'm a girl right. like i was not <laughs> I was, right i was none of that i was a child in a 25 year old's body. doing the best you could though i'm sure Oh, yeah, you know. We were just energy vampires. Like, yes. we were like, give me more. When I was so avoidant, I was like the, like, I would never claim that I was ever latched on to anybody, ever, you know? And mm-hmm. so when I would get angry at, literally, Brianna was my person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just completely leave her. <laughs> like, it's your fault, you know? Aww. Poor Brianna. Poor Bri. It's just like, yeah, poor Bri. We love you, Bri. We love you, Bri. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so you're, I, I'm also hearing that your ego is oh. very naturally getting just Whew. pumped, massaged. Oh, honey. Yeah. What, what do you mean? I yeah. didn't even, just like these other <laughs> words, I didn't even know what an ego was. I just thought it was meant like, I'm strong, I'm a badass, like I'm just like my dad, I'm out here getting it. Right. You know, but really I was a scared little boy who had no clue how to live life Mm -hmm. and was just turned to the wolves. 
What is it? An, an inferiority complex? Egomaniac with, a, with an inferiority complex. There you go. Yeah. yeah. That is me to a T. <laughs> and if you're not careful and you catch me on a Tuesday <laughs> in 2023, November, you can still catch that same character. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've just learned not to take myself that serious. Yeah. You know, um, I'm learning that. But yeah, the ego was getting blown up. Mm-hmm. And then that is where, you know, I start... I get fired from Office Max for embezzling money. Yeah. yeah. Isn't that great? Been Let's there. not ever forget that. Yeah. Wait. I get Yes, honey. Oh, yeah. I was doing work for people with Office. I worked in the imprint, imprint department. I was doing work for, like, the, the printing, like, obituaries, wedding invitations, business cards, military-grade books. The military paid us in Meridian because there was a base on camp. We would have to put all their books together. Either way. I would find whatever. And look, I've lied for a long time and tried to make it sound way better. I was like, this lady came in and it was her dead, you know, daughter. And I gave her a discount and just pocketed the cash. That is a part of the truth. Yeah. But the truth was I just started doing what I wanted because I wanted what I wanted. And I felt entitled to take whatever the hell it is that I wanted. Mm -hmm. Whether it's Snickers or Pringles or a Mountain Dew or the cash that I just pocketed, you know, it would be six hundred dollar deal, and I'd say give me three hundred, and I was pocketing that cash. Now, yes, I was a kid in college without parents, figuring out by myself. There was like a survival to that. Looking back, I can remember that because uh, yeah. my friends all had parents paying for them to go to college and buying them clothes and buying them cigarettes and buying them vehicles. Like I just didn't get that. Like, everything I had kind of came from the dirt. Um, but that's where the ego started going. That's where the the behavior of just lying and stealing and thieving started dating and cheating and lying and cheating and cheating and cheating. Yeah. Just that's a all hard of one. it. Well, it all got caught. Yeah. It did. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, office, uh, office max. Let me go. They called me in, sent me, they said, mm-hmm. I said, Oh my God, this is terrifying. They gave me two days to pay back $762 and 55 cents where I was going to jail. Terrified. Oh. I was like, bitch, I can't make it in jail. You know, I will not make it in jail. So I was like, we got to come up with this money. So I phoned some friends, like, who wants to be a millionaire? And we got some money, you know. Um, I still think I owe somebody a financial amends of $100, and I'll have to check that out after this. Um, but, yeah, so I go through school. I drop out of college. I just become addicted to Adderall. I start experimenting with cocaine. I started drinking to oblivion. I started doing ecstasy. I accidentally did meth one time. Stayed up till for like, no, I say accidentally. I thought it was cocaine. Not any worse or better, you know? Yeah. But I was just like, I don't remember the last time I went to sleep. And at this point, I'm managing a clothing store, Express. I'm working part-time at K-Jewelers. And I'm like on the brink of getting burnt out in college. And that was like the semester I quit. And just drinking every single night. Not going to sleep, passing out every single night, 18 years old, 19 years old, 20 years old. When, you know, like your story with, you know, your company moving you here, mm-hmm. Express Clothing moved me to Jackson at oh. 20, or 20 years old. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that's when um, I got to Jackson. That's how I got here. And I knew only my aunt, Tabby. I came to stay with her for a little while, which she wound up kicking me out. 
um, which is great for me. Yeah, it wound, checks out. It just checks out, right? <laughs> I wound up with a guy off of Craigslist on Ooh, the reservoir. The personals? Um, an older gentleman who liked to keep lingerie on his bed. And I'd come home from my job, and he would be in his room just doing things uh, with that. <laughs> so I felt very great. Like, I felt like I was killing it. Like, I was like, this is exactly why I came to Jackson. I feel so free. <laughs> Um, and like literally that is how Jackson started and I loved it. I had so much fun. Well, I just find more people, you know, before I found the people that like the people I had in Meridian, I decided I wanted to get back in church. Now this is a good one. I decided I wanted to get back in church. I grew up Baptist, Southern fundamental independent Baptist, real strict like, right? Well, I had met someone through my partying and she said she grew up Pentecostal. And I always heard, like, Pentecostals are just not the thing. You just don't do that. Speaking in tongues, like, we, we do not play with that. But I said, I told myself, I remember talking to God, because I only talked to God like a spare tire. I used him like a spare tire. I was like, God, help me, you know. But I was like, God, I really do want to get back close to you. But I need whoever this preacher is to preach from the King James Version Bible, because that's the Bible I grew up in. That's my dad told me that was the only Bible to do. And I walked in to a Pentecostal church one morning by myself at 20 years old. And there was a verse on the screen and right below it, it said KJV. And I remember just crying, like bawling my eyes out in that church service that day. Now, in the Baptist world, we go to the altar. You know, you know about the altar? Yes. You know about the altar? Oh, yeah. You know about the altar? A little bit, okay. Uh, well, you know, a little altar call. So I'm like, I'm just going to go down here and talk to my Jesus, like big G upstairs. When you're feeling it, you go down. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I was feeling it. <laughs> what I was not feeling was the aftermath of what came next. Yeah. I did not know in a Pentecostal church that when you go down to the altar, you know, like people get a little excited down there. <laughs> and I was like, what is going on? I was so scared. Were you, you know? the first to walk down? Mm-hmm. Oh! <laughs> you had the whole congregation I on your did tail. Not, they thought I was, uh, you know, converting this or trying to. This is where being an extrovert, introverts say, oh, Ooh. this so, must be so nice. You don't understand. Because uh-uh. then the healthy uh-huh. fear uh-huh. that people usually have of like, maybe I shouldn't be the first one to do this. I do it. Oh, I do it. Yes, girl. <laughs> yeah. Yes, girl. Fist bump. That's, that's uh, right. Yeah. I was down there, and the next thing you know, the preacher comes up, and he's laying a Bible on my forehead, and he's telling me, and, you know, when he begins to do this, I will begin to do that. And, you know, I was like, you know, I wanted to, I heard everybody speaking in tongues. And, look, I right. felt the presence of God. You can feel the presence of God anywhere you're at. Right. I have learned that. We all know that to be true today. For sure. So I felt the presence of God in that church that day, which is why I went to the altar. What I could not do was perform any longer for another man in a church. Mm. I've done that for my father my whole life. So when he told me I needed to speak in tongues and I was in front of everybody and everybody was looking at me and getting crunk for Christ, I just whispered in his ear. I was like, this is not going to work for me. I'm not able to do this. That's amazing that yeah. you said that. Yeah, I didn't even know how cool that was to do that. That was probably my first oh, time. Oh, yeah. wow. I just told him, I was like, I don't want you to look bad. I was still trying to protect the preacher. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want you to look bad. So I'm just letting you know, fall back, find somebody else. I'll dance off, and I'll go back to my seat. But what that man did do was 
almost every Sunday after that for about a few weeks, he would take me into his office and teach me about speaking in tongues and read with me in the Bible. We went and picked blueberries wow. out by his house. He spent time with me. Mm. Wow. Um, and I was, you know, a, a gay kid, you know, and he didn't have to do that. But God Had was showing up. Had you opened up. up to him at that point? Mm-mm. Okay. I hadn't opened up to anyone. I just told him I wanted to learn. I wanted to be a part of a church again. I wanted to belong somewhere. Um, I met my first boyfriend in a Pentecostal campground. Um, and he was an amazing man. And, you know, long story short, these next few years, four years from 2021 to 26, anything you can imagine besides going to jail, killing someone, I did. I went as low as I'd ever been. Um, you know, I pushed everything away. I climbed ladders and then burned them. I built relationships, then ruined them. Um, I isolated. I was fake. I was a fraud. I was a phony. I was doing the best I could, but I was hurting a lot of people. And the number one person I was hurting was me. And I didn't know that. So I remembered from my mom, though, being sober when I was 18 and moved home about AA. I'd gone to meetings with her. And so... You know, I'd went to one AA meeting even with my ex-girlfriend because I was trying to prove to her that I was not an alcoholic because she told me I had a drinking problem. But she drank like I drank. So I was just like, if I'm going, you need to go. You know, <laughs> and, and furthermore, I don't even know why I'm here because I don't even think I'm supposed to be here, you know. But did the best we could. But I finally, like I remember the last drunk I had, I bought Ariana Grande tickets. I had met a guy, and I had been with him for six months, and I was sitting on the dishwasher, and I remember breaking down to him that night and telling him that I had always been confused and thought everybody needed me, but for the first time, I realized that I needed him, and I was scared of that, and I had a very big meeting with my boss the next day, and they were setting me down to reprimand me for being late, my performance, my work ethic. At this point, I had left being the GM of the Bulldog. I had left all of these people, all of these things, and I just wanted to go take it easy and do what I want and go even deeper into my addiction. Um, But this conversation happened. That last drunk bought the tickets. The next day, I have a business meeting. My boss says, we're about to fire you. Um, And, you know, I'd already been fired before, but this time I'm, like, almost closer to 30. I'm like, this ain't cute no more. But I remembered the alcohol, uh, AA, you know, and I was like, can I say that on here, by the way? It's up to you. Okay, cool. Well, I remembered, uh, I feel so wrong, like if I'm going to do the wrong thing, I'm like still wanting to control You're so fine. much. So um, if that needs to be clipped out, that can be clipped out. <laughs> Anyways, I remembered where I'd been, remembered it, and I had friends text me to meet them. I think it was like at Tavern that night, and we were about to go get our night started. It was a weekend night, and I remember pulling out of Saltine's parking lot, that fence by Fondren Church. Mm-hmm. You know, we park on the other side of it. I remember going left would be headed towards Tavern. Going right was us. Mm-hmm. And I remember I had every intention after that meeting that I was about to go do exactly the same thing I had done the night before. But I promise you, it was like God took the wheel. Jessica sent, who sung that song? 
Oh, uh, Carrie Underwood. Carrie Underwood. It's like Carrie Underwood. Jesus took the wheel, and I, I stand by this. That was the first big, big, big God moment that changed my whole entire life. Because mm. instead of going left and going to drink the poison, I went right, and before I knew it, I took a right, I took a left, I took a left, and I was parked in the back side of that yellow house, and I was crying my eyes out. And I Which said, for everyone listening, that is a recovery house. That is a recovery house, yes. Um, and I pulled up and I said, I don't know what's about to be on the other side of walking into this place, but I know I'm about to go in here and I'm about to do whatever it is the hell they tell me to do because I cannot live my life like this anymore. Mm. Complete willingness. So much willingness before I even knew it. And y'all, I'm telling y'all, I just walked in the doors and I met a lady. I'm not going to name her name, but she knows who she is. Still speak to her three or four times a week. She said, hey, sugar, come grab a uh, cup of coffee and smoke a cigarette with me. And we sat there, and she told me about her ex and the glamour and the glitz, and she gave me her experience, strength, and hope, and I didn't even know she was doing that. Mm. You thought she was just being I thought friend. she was just being my friend. Yeah. yeah. And she was. She was. But I felt like she was just like, it sounded like the drama I just came from. So it I was still messy. I was still sick. I wanted to hear that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just sat there and I was just like, oh my God, I love this, you know? And she asked me after the meeting and she said, you're going to come back tomorrow. And I said, are you going to be here? And she said, yes. And I came back the next day and I asked her to be my sponsor. She said, honey, I'm not going to be your sponsor. I'll be your trusted friend. But, you know, we're going to get you a man sponsor. I said, okay, darling. I don't know what that means, but I don't really deal with men well, you know. Um, and I went and picked the scariest man in the meeting um, within a week, you know. And that man absolutely was the next person that helped save my life. Um, yeah. And that's where my story started. And from there, that was July 19th, 2019. I walked into that yellow house, and I've not stopped walking into that yellow house. And I've not stopped keeping the willingness and I've not stopped trying to be a little bit more honest and stop trying to grow a little more. Like I just keep coming back. Cause that's what they told me to do that first meeting. And no. I feel like I've talked so much. So no, no you, this has been so, so good to hear. I, I have not heard this much of your story. Oh, really? I've heard more of bits and pieces. Really, really. And I appreciate more than anything that you you seem to have found that level of okay I'm not going to say I was such a terrible addict Correct. I was so horrible Mm-mm. um you know woe is me and then Mm-mm. also not like things were so great this Mm-mm. is how cool I was Mm-mm. when I was drinking like I I appreciate Mm-mm. that you've held both sides Thank you. tightly going through all of that because that's you. important I mean, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to look back and be like, oh, I was such a piece of crap. Right. It's just not helpful. And it doesn't help yeah. us. Yeah. No. No, there's a, a big balance there of, like, remembering how bad it truly was. Right. And then also, there, I mean, there's value in some of the war stories, mm-hmm. especially when it's somebody new because, like you were just saying, like, you were still messy then. Right. And you needed some messy conversations. So, like, there's that connection piece of it there, but then also, like, you don't want to be glorifying it to a no. new person either. Like, no. yeah, man, I used yeah. to, da, 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 you no. know, like whatever. And so, yeah I, yeah, I agree with Sarah. Like, it's a, it's a good balance that you seem to have with 
with where you're at with it. I was curious as you were kind of talking about like that, that last night drinking and stuff. Was that like, was there more moments like that for you? I guess like, I don't know for me, like I had several moments where like, I felt like I'd kind of reached that like jumping off place that they talk about in recovery where I was like, this is as good as my life's ever going to get. Or like, this is me forever. Um, but it took like several of them. Right. Failed Digging the hole deeper. Yeah. Of like trying to get sober on my own, trying to quit drinking or like, and for me, it was always like the, the replacement therapy. Like we're not mm-hmm. going to do cocaine. We're just going to smoke more weed. Correct. Or did you have that in your story? Like trying to, to get it on your own before Absolutely. you, you made it to the rooms. Yeah. Yeah, man. That was like, I didn't, so I don't have the rehab story. I've never, I don't know what that's like. I used to be a little jealous. Um, I felt like I wasn't done because I was like, maybe I haven't hit this bottom that everybody talks about. Maybe I've got to go get more. Maybe I've got to go. And I want to just share that message of like, if you found your yourself in recovery and didn't have to go to treatment or any of that, you don't have to compare your story to someone else and go out there and get further damage to your story. You can just sit down and thank God that it didn't get there. Not that there is bad. It's just what a miracle. You didn't have to go to rehab to get sober. Right. You know? Oh my God. Well, that's where I'm at. I did. Yeah. I did go inpatient and outpatient. Yeah. And I, I have so much respect for people that get sober in recovery rooms. Right. Because I could never. But like, you, but you might have could, but God knew I your might, story. I might, maybe, but I'll never know. Just right. like you'll never I'll know. Never know. And yeah. and I just all I know is that that's not experience I can share. Right. But I do know the experience I can share, Correct. and I know people that have what I don't have. Agreed. And that's what I love about recovery is like all of our story may look very similar, but also be so different. But yeah. I always get help. From everybody. Absolutely. If I'm looking for the message. Absolutely. You know. That's it. If I'm if I'm open to it. If I'm open to it. I remember feeling that way like when I'd first gotten out of treatment and like in my first meetings and whatnot and like almost feeling like I wanted to exaggerate oh, yeah. my story of how bad it had been. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, in real life I've been arrested twice, but right. I might have said in a meeting one time that it was four times. Absolutely. And you know, like uh, or the quantity of whatever like uh-huh. yeah, you know, I was moving pounds. That's or, right. Like I wanted to like I still wanted to be the cool kid. Qualify yourself. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And like I feel like I've reached a point in recovery now where like I don't feel that way anymore. Like mm-hmm. my story's my story. Bingo. I'm grateful from where I've been. Uh, like I, Danny said one time on the podcast, like I'm not not proud of it, but I'm, right. I'm grateful for you know the the journey and and where it brought me to. But it's no longer like I have to compare my story to you or my story's not good enough. Correct. Because anytime I get to feeling that way, if I'm if I'm being honest, open minded, willing, if I'm sharing my story, mm-hmm. talking to other people in recovery, inevitably something that I say helps somebody Bingo. or something that I've been through, like whatever little experience or thing that I thought was like, oh, that ain't shit compared right. to these other people. Well, it may mean the world to Sarah because she did the same thing. Right. Or it could mean the world to you because you had a similar experience. And so that's really taught me to like cherish all the experiences I had, good, bad, or indifferent. Right. Because now they, none of them have negative power over Mm-mm. me anymore. 
Like, you can call me a dirty, low-down, cheating, mm-hmm. lying, stealing, junkie thief, and I'm like, you damn straight I am. I love how God doesn't uh, waste any scraps. Yeah, because I was just a scrap boy. <laughs> like, there was not, we didn't have all the pieces of the puzzle, you know? Like, <laughs> he opened the box, and I was missing about 36 pieces. Oh, and he male. still put together a, a picture, you know, like. 36? Yes. 36. Like 36. a whole third of it. Yeah, whole I was third. just 100 piece or two. Was it a five? Oh, you were 100 piece? I would yeah. say 500 piece? The thing, you know, like, no, like a third of it. But what's the percentage <laughs> of that? Like, let's find out, you know? But it, it is. Matters. It's crazy. And, and to this day, I mean, I you would think that, and I've thought that I would, I would just hit a point where I didn't have adrenaline anymore right. to stay sober. And not that I would go out necessarily and drink, but just that I, it wouldn't be exciting anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. Like it would hit this plateau point. And, um, and even now I still find so many reasons to connect with people because life doesn't get easier. Mm-hmm. You know, with my dad being ill now, like mm. that's one of the biggest things that I, I search in people is like some, experience on how do you get through losing a parent um what does that look like for us Mm -hmm. you know because i'm not i'm not um where i can just say oh let me just have a glass of wine it's been a day thinking about all of this you know there there are um there's a different way but there is a way there is always a way always a way and then and I mean, we don't even have kids yet. Do you have a kid? I don't have kids. I don't have a kid. I do have a little sister who has a baby on the way. Um, um in March. So she, excited. She lives with me. Are you? Have you been a funkle yet? Yes. You've been a funkle yes. already. Wait, yes. Oh. Fun uncle. Fun uncle. Oh, okay. Yeah. Or a gunkle, whatever. But yes, I have. So I have a niece and three nephews. Oh. Um, my older sister and my one of my little brothers, and then now my baby sister, who I'm the. Probably the closest to just because since she was 18, she came to live with me. And off and on, you know, that's been our story kind of like, you know. Um, but, yes, yeah, she's she's having a baby. I think it's March. Wow. And so my home is about to have a newborn in it. And in a lot wow. of ways, I think, you know, I know, same. But I believe also, <laughs> so there's like this thing in me that has always felt like I can't fully be myself because I want to be a dad. I want the happy ending. I want the white picket fence. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, that kept me sick and drinking like a long time. Um, You know, thank God for fourth and fifth step. Thank God for good sponsorship who says God loves you even though in spite of. God forgives you in spite of. Um, Thank God for finding a higher power that I can do business with for family loss or family births or whatever it is, you know. Yes. I completely forgot where I was going with that. I mean, I, I feel like that role, you, oh. how, do you, how do you do that as an addict? You don't. No. I've seen people try. It's very difficult. My brain just literally went, bloop. You know. Like dropped off the face of the earth. Well, so how <laughs> old is your, how old is your oldest so, niece, nephew? Okay, so my oldest nephew is 13. Oh, so okay, so you have been around mm-hmm. as an active addict mm-hmm. uncle and now a sober uncle. Correct. So but what's not really the difference there. So well, I have not really been in their life due okay. to like 
kind of my sister's own struggles and journey. Gotcha. You know, so I haven't had that firsthand. Same with my niece, Carsley, with my little brother. Like, through me partying and choosing to party, I never wanted to go home and spend time with her, you know. Mm -hmm. But, you know, my best friend just had a baby um, seven months ago. Um, and she's been my best friend since 18 in Meridian. We both now live in Jackson, and we live right around the corner from each other in Brandon. We love. Um, and I've been over there every Thursday night just about since her daughter's been born. And the way that girl looks at me, that's what I was saying. It kind of feels that kind of role of me wanting to be a dad in a healthy way Yeah. with my best friend having her baby and now my little sister having her baby. I'm just so grateful yeah. that I'm sober and I get to be a positive male influence yes. on these two little bitty girls. Mm-hmm. Um, and in, in return, you know, I get so much more meaning for life and why I wake up and why I work as hard as I do and why this is just a gift and it keeps giving. Yes. Like it doesn't stop. And the trust that comes with that when yeah. it comes to kids that are not mine. I'm like, you really, I, you can, sure? dri- I can put, yeah. you're giving me this car seat for my car. That's right. Yeah. And I'll be driving and I'm like, there's, there's a kid in the car. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is wild that they're trusting me right now. And I'm like, and, and her parent, her mom knows that she's here right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. She's cool with it. The, tr- the trust from others, but then also the trust within yourself. Yes, but you I know. know. Absolutely. Like, that's the cool thing, like, cool part, too. Yeah. Like, learning to trust yourself. Yes. Yeah. And I wish I could say I've done that in my whole sobriety, but I really haven't, you know. I've always kept myself safe, like, kept people at a distance. I kept Mm -hmm. these places away. I would control this, control, like, control, control, control. And, like, I was telling Adam earlier, like, you know, this past year and a half of my life, leaving that relationship, that my last drunk was with and he watched me get sober and stay sober three years through a pandemic. Like he was right there beside me. We, we experienced that. That was a real, real part of my story, but I knew I wasn't his person and it was time for me to roll. Mm -hmm. And I said, that was the next part where I was like, God, I'm terrified. I've never really lived on my own with nobody, but I'm about to just trust you and we're going, we're going to leave. And from there, it's like learning to let go over and over and over and over you know, and lately I'm working the steps again. I got a co-sponsor now. Um, you know, I'm just not done doing what it takes. I didn't get sober for that first four, four month fifth step, you know, like that was great. It, I wrote it out. It did what it did, but it's time to go a little deeper. I'm like so much clearer on like wanting to be as honest and as free as I can be because I never have to drink again. If I don't want to. Yeah. Amen. You know, and nor do any of us. It's crazy how like with recovery and like working the steps and living sober that there, at least in my experience, there hasn't been diminishing returns. Like most everything else that I put effort into, like after a while it kind of plateaus and you're like, okay, that's about what you get out of it. Right. And like the first year was like, how do I not do heroin? Right. Like how do I not drink? And then it's like, okay, that that doesn't seem like a problem anymore. Like, right. It's been a long time since I thought doing some heroin was a good idea. And then it's like, okay, like how do I begin to be a trustworthy person? Right. And like slowly I've become a trustworthy person. It's like, okay, how do I trust myself? Mm-hmm. Okay, all these people love me now. How do I love me? Love and that. like mm-hmm. each 
I don't know, milestone or whatever. Right. It's like I haven't reached a point yet where it's like, okay, Adam, you're done. You're done. Like, yeah. Hopefully we never yeah. get Here's there. your bow tie, you know. Um, yeah. And that's, it's unlike almost any other aspect of my life. Right. Where, like it just, it just keeps on giving. Um, it does keep giving. Yeah. And I want to say something really quick because – you know, I've I've lived a very selfish and self-centered life. And although, thank y'all for letting me have the space to talk about me. I don't like to talk about me all the time anymore. So I want to turn this to y'all. Like, I just want to say, like, what y'all do in recovery for men and women and what y'all do for the young people and how active y'all are. And just, like, honestly, y'all inspire me so much. And I might be from afar because I don't come to that right life's gotten so good and busy but I look at y'all and I'm like I want to be more like them honestly I mean that from the bottom of my heart like I'm sure there's so many young people that are just so grateful today that they met y'all and they have hope today that they used to not have um so I really pray y'all keep doing what y'all are doing because y'all aren't just helping them you're helping me thank you thank y'all thank you for being here therapy's really kicked in lately i'm like going a little deeper it's yeah it's crazy though because like neither one of us is doing anything that wasn't done for us either Correct. exactly and that's exactly the, like sarah and i've had conversations about it i don't know tons of them over the year about how how we both feel a responsibility to like young people in recovery right because other young people in recovery saved our lives yeah mm. um and so you know I, that means a lot how do we not that. do but it? Like, yeah. How, do how I? could you? Well, that's what we've talked about is like, it doesn't, you know, there are just some things that are for sure. And yeah. this is a for sure. Mm-hmm. Like, we're going to stay in a young people scene. We're still going to enjoy our youth Correct. as much as possible. How old are y'all? 30? I'm, I'm 32. 24. 24? I know, right? <laughs> Holy guacamole. We got a whole child. In <laughs> she is such Alex. a bad B-I-T-C-H. <laughs> Literally. Whoa. You're sweet. Now you're out there getting it. <laughs> Holy F-U-C-K. <laughs> Whoa. We're getting hooked on phonics. In yeah. Here. Hey, baby. That homeschool went real far I'm in my life. I'm just kidding. I'm actually 32. Are you really? No. Don't okay. let her lie to you. <laughs> I was like, holy shit. Okay. That was amazing. Sweet. Well, Alex, look, thank you so much. Yeah. I needed no coffee for this all afternoon. I'm like, oh, I'll just see Alex later. Stop (laughs) it. I do bring the energy. (laughs) You You do. do. Uh Get more, baby. Hey, we're getting more. But, you know, get more (laughs) sounds like getting less lately, too. And that's okay. Yes, and that is okay. Uh And that is perfect. Get more. Do we want to plug? Do we want to plug? What does that mean? Like, do you want to plug your your stuff? Like, get more? Oh, I'm third. Oh, all right. How do I do that? Tell Tell people where to find you. Tell tell people what you're doing now. Tell Tell them where you are. I've all, you know, I just remembered the plug, you know? So, I mean, I was like, what are we talking about plugging? Okay. Your eyes said it. That's amazing. So, (laughs) you can find me on TikTok as Uncle Alex. You can find me on Instagram as. T-H-E underscore M-O-O-R-E underscore P-O-S-T. That's The More Post. You can also find me on Twitter at Get More. You can find me on LinkedIn as Alex Moore. You can find me on Facebook as Get More or Alex Christian Moore. And is there anything else? I 
think that's it. I think you hit it. Yeah. Yeah. Or you can go to my website, www.letsgetmore.com. Thank Gonna you. leave off sure. that he's got a whole Thank website you, like that. Yeah. Okay. Thank, Thank y'all so you, much. Alex. Yes. This is so much fun. So much. And speaking of getting more, if you want to get more merchandise. Hey, come on. Um, Whiskey and Milk. Yes. Website. Uh, how can they get to that? They get to yeah, that? you can find us at whiskeymilk.com. You can find us at Whiskey and Milk on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube. And at Recovery Uncovered, anywhere podcasts are found. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And we'll see you guys next week. Thanks, y'all. Yeah. Attention. Now arriving That's at your destination, the last house on the block. <laughs>